Do you know that our migrant workers are as large as the whole of Chinese population in Malaysia now? 22%. As a church, we cannot only say that the 4,000 to 5,000 churches in West Malaysia I only want to serve on this small section of the people. What is mission all about? Mission is so close to where we are. Now, a lot of times we say that if we don't like to have this migrant worker with us, they are horrible people. They're going to take away our economy. Uh, so, uh, so the people are so dirty, they don't speak our language. Malaysians are now living on that love-hate relationship. Uh. Love them because they are the one who's going to clear all our rubbish, clean our floor, uh, get our economy growing. Hate them because they are not in one of us. If we today chase with all the migrant workers in Malaysia, our whole economy will come to standstill. Our constructions cannot go on. Our whole plantations, there's no people going out to harvest the field. And um, maybe our chow kui tiao here in Penang uh, will not cost $6 anymore. Uh. It'll cost 12 ringgit. Uh. Who's going to do all your cleaning? Not possible. So we love because they are helping the economy. We hate them because they are not part of us. Yet we cannot live without them. So it's like a love-hate relationship. Whether you like it or not, if Malaysia will continue to live on our present pace, we can't live without them. Whether you like it or not. Compounded on that, 2019 June, sorry, I didn't change the statistic, but United Nations declared that we have an estimate of 170,000 registered refugees in Malaysia. Registered, huh? Those who are under asylum seekers, which means they go into the United Nations, say, hey, I'm, I'm being persecuted, you know? Uh, so the United Nations then will have to verify to see whether you are genuinely persecuted or not. Imagine, 2008, when I signed an MOU with United Nations as their implementing partner, 2008, Malaysia only have 40,000 refugees. Do you realize the escalating of refugees in Malaysia? Please, the church, wake up. What's happening around us? Coming from 53 countries, 80%, 90% of these people are coming from a Muslim country. What is God speaking to us at this present time? The, the education ministers in Malaysia has wanted to make Malaysia an education hub. Do you know that in Malaysia, we have about 50 over university, private and public university. Why? During Mahathir's time, he said that we must make Malaysia an education where we draw the people from different parts of the world. It's a good source of income. Do you realize that? He said that by 2020, we should hit 200,000 international students. Like our students go overseas to study. Am I right? Most of the time, we send our children to America, to to England, to Australia to study. He said, why give people the money? We should bring the university here and have the people to come over here. I think it makes more logical sense in that manner. That's why we are issuing a lot of university. Some are fly-by-night university, you know. Huh? Uh, but somehow, we draw in a lot of international students, predominantly from Middle East. 
especially for the last couple of years, where United States are barring the Muslims to go into America. They come here for study. The church will need to know about it. Sorry. Yeah. Now, one of the greatest challenges the church will need to face is these people are predominantly working on the 3Ds job. Uh, dangerous, demeaning, difficult, and undocumented is actually one of the greatest challenges that the church will need to stand for. Uh, because these are the people who are easily fall prey to those people who are, who, when they're working in the, in the farm or in the factory or in the, build, uh, in the construction. A lot of times, these people are cheated. You know, I've heard of horrendous story. They work, they work for two, three months, and the boss just kicked them out because they know that they can't go and make a police report. And they also don't know where to seek their redress. Horrendous, pathetic. And one of the greatest challenges for Malaysian government, because we are not the signatories of the United Nations Charter. Do you know what is the difference between people who are signed up with UNHCR and those who are not? Yet, Malaysia have a United Nations office. And Malaysia is not one of the signatories. For simple fact, if you are the signatories of the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, technically, Malaysian government has to provide education, they have to provide health care, they have to provide them some living expenses. By not signing that, in, United, in Malaysia, refugees don't exist. Can that be or not? Not possible. Lah, huh? So, by doing that, Malaysia has the right to say, hey, I don't recognize you, please get out of the country. Now, what Malaysian government are doing is they're out of humanitarian reason. They allow them to come in and stay along with us. Yet, they will not provide them job. They will not provide them education. They will not provide them health care. If you want education, go and handle it yourself. If you're sick, go and see a doctor. All these patients, all these refugees are undocumented, especially the refugees, if they fall sick, really sick, there's only two things that will kill them. Huh? Two things. Huh? Either the sickness will kill them or the medical bill will kill them. So either way, they also die. Pathetic, huh? Now, the most important thing that we need to look into is what has God got to say to this group of people? We are all Bible-believing people. We must know what is God speaking to us. I'd like to read to you, especially what the, uh, the chairman has spoken. Yeah? For one man, he made every nation of men, and they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact place where they should live. It's God's time that they have brought these people to our land. It's not your time, it's not my time. Do remember during our early forefathers, because of poverty, people start to move from China, especially from Fujian. My grandfather came from Fujian. And um, because of poverty, he has to leave his country. Of uncertainty, come over to Malaysia. Malaysian holds them and we earn a living. 
and we are the second, I'm the second generation. And I believe that most of your Chinese were also the same manner. We migrate is because of poverty. The same manner at this present time, they were also running away from their life, running from poverty. Because when you are hungry, you start to move. It is God so doing that man will seek him and perhaps to reach out to him through he is not far from each one of us. You see, it, many a times God used this human migration to bring these people out of the country where in the past gospel will find it very hard to reach out to them. But when they leave their country, it's easier for the gospel to reach out to them. Still recall that during the time of Abraham's in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Now, what did God call Moses to do? Abram, I want you to leave your country. Genesis 12, chapter 1. Now. I want you to leave your people. I want you to leave your family. What is God doing? Why, why God, hey, leave your country, lah, enough, you know? But why God has to make it very specific? Because if a person leave their country, leave their community, leave the family, he is actually vulnerable. He's very much open to the changes that are taking place. If God wants to change Abraham, God has to bring him out of his comfort zone, out of his people, the community that he's most familiar with, out of his family, that the family members will, will want to protect him. But when you're out of the country, you, you're, you're open. Never has anyone imagined of the number of, used to be called as unreached people group. You know what this mission talking about? Yeah? We talk about rich group, unreached people group. Unreached are simply people who have never in their lifetime has a chance to hear the gospel. Are you all rich or not? Most of the Chinese in Malaysia are rich. There are thousands of churches around here to reach them. There are many other people. But who's going to reach out to them? If we want to fulfill the great commissions, we uh, want the Christ to come again, Matthew 24, verse 14 said, Preach the gospel to all the nations, and I will come again. And why for 2,000 years Christ has not come? We have not fulfilled the great commission. And God has made it very easy. You don't go, is it? Never mind, I send them here. And the church cannot say, I, I cannot reach. Not possible. I'll tell you why. Now, even in the Old Testament, God constantly have to remind the Israelite, You shall neither mistreat the stranger or oppress them, for you were once a stranger in Egypt. The stranger among you must live as one you are born, that you will love them, and but you were once a stranger in Egypt. In Zechariah, it said that you must show true justice, show mercy, compassion, do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, and the alien. These are the people that are most vulnerable. God remind the Israelites to care for the poor, to care for the downtrodden. The God that the Old Testament God is the same God that we are worshipping. The God of the 21st century. The God that worships is a God that has never changed. Has we changed? Remember, this is what the Bible has to say. Now, a lot of times when we talk about these migrants and refugees, we talk, ah, yeah, it's such a nonsense. But do you realize, right even in the Old Testament time, 
there is already called as alien. They don't have the name as migrants or refugees. Nah. If you change the word to alien, some of the Bible taught as sojourner. Some of the Bible translated as a foreigner that is in our midst. Which is the better word to use. Nah. We also call these migrant workers as a foreigners within our midst. Now, who is this God that we are worshipping? This God that we are worshipping is a very gracious and compassionate God. The God that you worship and I worship is a God that is full of compassion. Why I would say that? Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9, God has to remind the Israelites, when you harvest a field, don't harvest all. Leave some, you know, intentionally leave some, so that when the poor will come alongside, they can also glean in the field along with you. A very good example is actually the story of Ruth. Huh? The story of, in the Bible. Read through the Bible. Chapter 2, Ruth and Naomi comes back from Moabite. And they were poor. You know the story of Ruth. Huh? Most of all the story about Ruth. Ruth was telling the mother-in-law, hey, let me go down to the field and glean. Which means that when the harvest is harvest, some of the stalks will fall along the way. At least I go and pick up some of the uh, barley or the weeds so that we can survive. Boaz happens to be the owner of that field. Boaz knows this story. Uh, Boaz knows this commandment that God has given to them. The church needs to at least know what are you doing here. The richness that is in you don't belongs to you. It must also be shared with the people who are poor. People who are most vulnerable. And he asked the church not to be typeface. He said that if you have, provide some of the areas for the people so at least have something to earn from you. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. The Micah mandate, there's an organization called that. Advising the church to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly in the presence of the Lord. What God is reminding every church is that we need to be humbled enough, go out to the ground and live amongst this group of people. The very foundations of our actions, Jesus has actually laid right from the time when he was given the book of Isaiah chapter 61, 1 and 2. He will say that he's come with a purpose, is to preach the gospel to the poor, to spread the news to the uh, to send me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberties, to recover the sight of the blind, to set the liberties of those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable years of the Lord. Jesus come and he don't only preach, repent for the kingdom of God is near. What did Jesus do? He goes around, heal the sick, cast out demons, restore the blind, raise up the dead. Compassion work. This is what the work the church will need to do. Because if it's not around, he's already given us the instructions. Go and do likewise. Am I right to say that? The distinctions between economic migrants and refugees. Huh? Economic migrants are people like the legal migrant workers. They got permit. They come here, they work three years, five years, they go back. Those who are undocumented, stateless people, we are on the ground. We have seen of these stateless people who have been here for second generation. Malaysia, you know, 
the refugees, a lot of them said, oh, when this refugee, uh, tomorrow uh, they send them to America, they live the American life. Not true, huh? Only 7% in the past, they will go to have a chance to go overseas. Now, in the world, after uh, for these three to five years, the offtake, the resettlements of refugees in the world, huh? only 3%. From the year of, after Second World War, 1951, United Nations of, for the refugees was established. They registered about 20 million uh, uh, refugees in the world, 20 million. Today, 2019, the world refugees population hit 75 million. 75. We're not in Third World War yet, you know. Can you imagine? People are fleeing for their life. Tremendous persecutions, tremendous suffering that is going on now. What we are trying to address on you is actually the word called green. Ban Hanikas, which are word which talk about migrants, tourists, international students, people have a view to go back. I don't like this, can I go back? Very simple. The students will say, after two, three years, I go back. Green. As a word which is called a people in distress talks about refugees, asylum seekers, stateless. People who have no choice, people out of poverty have to flee for their life. Now, the Bible has taught us about the great commissions, actually comes with a great commandment. You know, great com- uh, a, great, a great commandment that is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, your heart, your mind, and your spirit. He also gives us a great commission. He does not ask us only to love God himself. He also asks us to love our neighbor. Now, I believe a lot of you have heard the story of the parable of a good Samaritan. What does it mean to love our neighbor? It's not your neighbor just sitting beside you huh, or your neighbor house. Huh? Uh, the people whom that we may choose not to be neighbor to. The church will always need to ask to whom can I be neighbor to? I mean, if you want to be neighbor, I want to be neighbor with people very close to us, you know. I don't want to people which is of a lower standard, very hard to be their friend. They don't live that kind of life. They don't drive, drive the kind of cars that we're driving. It's, 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 it's the options that the church will need to take. How can we respond? I share a little bit about my personal journey. Whenever people ask me, oh, you work with migrant workers, ah? uh, you help them, give them food to eat, is it? We goes beyond only feeding them. Ah. We have the intentions. Our focus is actually to disciple this nation that God has placed in our land. And it is with great intentions we want to disciple them. It's not so much only to go and feed them, uh, uh, throw them two packs of rice. The whole purpose God has made that very clear that we are here with the purpose, especially the church, is to establish the kingdom of God. Not to build another Methodist church, eh? not to build another Baptist church, but incidentally, I'm a Methodist member. Lah. So don't worry. I'm not asking you to leave your church. I'm asking you to go beyond only your church building. You have to know that you're here for a purpose to build the kingdom of God, all of us. Because the Great Commission has not been fulfilled yet. If we want to reach the nation, the nation is now very close to where we are. 
This is how we run the school. At this moment, we're running a school of a thousand over students with no building of our own. What we do? We borrow. Yesterday, we have a workshop. I was explaining to the committees, to those who come and attend, how we do the work and why we do the work. Uh, if you want, maybe next time, Dr. Go can share it with you. He has, he has here all the, 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 the talks. Huh? We use every avenue using education as a platform to bring the good news to this group of people. Don't you only go there, hey, I want to preach gospel to you, I want to make you Christian. No. That's what Jesus said, that if you love a person, you must also love a person with his heart, his soul, his mind, and his spirit. You don't only go there, I want to save your soul. Because when the hungry stomach fellow, he will net, gospel is irrelevant to them. Meet their need first, before you even tell them that Jesus loved them. This is generally how the schools are like, a morning assembly. Uh, we break into different areas. We have our school inside the church building. Simply because church buildings are usually the most underutilized building in the world. Not only are religious buildings. Uh, uh, we only use it on Sunday, isn't it? Do you use other day or not? No, isn't it? So we try to borrow from the church. And this is how the gatherings are like. And uh, this is only a portion of the students. We have students coming from 17 different nations. One seven, not 16 now. Uh. Now, if it includes those who are of mixed marriage, it's 18 nations. That means people who are local, one of them, and not legally married, but having an affair, having two, three kids, and the children cannot be registered. Because the mother run away, the father don't recognize. We have a lot of these kind of kids with us. This is a parents' teacher's day. Imagine, they are all equally concerned for their children's education, whether we can provide them or not. This centre, the Methodist Education Centre in Klang, this hall can take in 300, uh, 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 300 audience. The days turn up, 800 plus. Every year we face the same problem and we have a long list uh, waiting to come to our school. Imagine our school has about nearly 1,000 students. Our waiting list is one year. Every day, we have parents come and beg, please, take my children. Imagine of your children, if they don't have education, where are they heading? Oh. Two years back, we decided that we should not only run the school in one location, we start to spread out. Don't come to school. I bring the school to your community. Is that possible? Possible. These are predominantly the Cambodians charm people, uh, which is around us. Nobody knows of their existence. You know what is Cam uh, Cambodians? Huh? We know that most of the Cambodians are Buddhists. Do you know there's a huge number of Cambodian charm in Malaysia? When we asked them, someone told me as high as half a million. These people, do you know their existence? Nobody knows. There's been here no documents. Second generations, third generations. And without, without education, 
pathetic. But how can this 21st century that children still don't have education in a country like Malaysia? Unacceptable, isn't it? Poverty drive them on. This is a new centre that we've just set up. Now, incidentally, two years back, we decided to expand out to different areas. And every time when we set up, it's always free. Because we cannot take in anymore. Because the place that we are working on, we have already 650 students. So when we branch it out, everybody will claim it to try to look for a place to, to fill up the, the area. Now, interesting part is, two years back, we have this madrasa leader, Sanamula. The children were actually in our school. And uh, we thought that, hey, we can't take any more, you know, because they have a younger someone to come to our school. I said, no, no, we, we can't, you know, because full, la, waiting list, waiting list, you know. I said, hey, then why don't you come and help us? Huh? Can we go or not? Go, la. This is the madrasa. This is a committee that we're working on. This is a madrasa where they are, are Rohingya madrasa. If they don't come, we go. Our education centers are run inside the madrasa. We want to let the world know that we love them. We're not there to say we want to convert anybody because they need education too. We have now four of these religious centers that we're going there to help. There is no law in the country to say that you cannot go and love the Muslim. Remember that. Huh? Our love must go beyond only the church member. Our love must go to the people whom that we are very fearful of. They need the love of Christ as much as you and I. God has not only come to love Trinity Methodist Church. God said that He come to love the world. Uh, Jesus come to come, die for all, not only for a group of people. To love them. The Syrians, uh, the Pakistani, uh, the Myanmar Muslim, uh, the Somalians. Is it like a Macedonian call to the church now? The Afghans, the Somalian, for the Somalians to invite you into the community and eat along with them is a sign of acceptance. It's a sign that you are part of me. I have a hard time eating with them. Everybody uses a hand to go and eat, you know. Uh, you know, when a missionary, you cannot say, no, why don't you use a fork and spoon? To them, they eat together as a sign of communion. Afghans, Hazaras community, Subang, the Rohingya adult class. We go there and teach class. They also adult. They also want to learn. Build friendship with them. Partners in Puchong. We are all the time intimidated by people like that, you know, isn't it? They're peace-loving people. Don't treat that every one of them are terrorists. They don't. Uh, when you go there, they also want to convert you. It's okay. 
Because we have the truth. If the truth don't go there, you cannot blame the darkness for being very dark. Because there's no light there. So we also go there and make friends with them. We also want to show that we care. We really care. We also go there and offer their educations, something that they don't have. And if you give them good educations, the children will then learn how to seek the truth. Don't really say that was preaching the gospel. Give them education. Give them a chance to know that we Christians care for you. I never compromise on my faith. This is how the uh, educations in the madrasas look like. This is how when we do English club, English camp, go there, do three days, two nights camp, along with all these Tafit students, you know, those who stay in. It takes time to build the relationship, and when they trust you, we build the barrier, we, we break the barrier. We must earn the right to share with them the good news. We are not there to, going to change them, make them Christian. We don't. But we want them to know that we love them. We care for them. As much as Jesus, when they come, he never said that you better be clean before you come and join me, you know. When he picked up the 12 disciples, they're not the best people. Am I right to say that? So why must you choose? Hospitality, cooking center, those who are un overage, underage, educated, we know that they cannot go through the process of going to the education. So we give them a certain years of English classes and provide them some skill. This is what we tied up with UCSI. Seven students coming from four different nations. Give them hope. And they will go back to the community and say that because of El Shaddai School, I have the chance to relive my life. If you build a critical mess, they're going to change the nation. Can I do it? I can't. But somebody has to be there to hold their hand, walk with them for a period of time, and let them go. Don't talk about, oh, I want to convert them, I want to make them Christian. We are not. Love them that they will ask that question. Why do you love us? Tell them there's a God that loves us, all of us. Not only the small group of people, because God loved the world. Bakery. Unfortunately, I can't bring bread to show it to you. Uh, our bread, we only sell in the church. You know why? We always sell the story behind the bread. Next time we bring bread, please help buy from us. Huh? We do quality break. Because we sell at church, we also want the church to know that when you buy from us, you make sure that we buy quality product. Sewing center. Instead of going to the community center to start to give them rice, start to give them money, we say we don't. We provide you an opportunity to earn a living. If you want, do, help us to do the break. If you know how to sew, we will provide you an avenue to sew. We will not give you a single cent. You work for it. It's only fair. Even the children come to our school that are not free, you know. We, we, we collect fees. 60 ringgit. Six zero. Uh, that includes lunch. Uh. So we don't know whether the 60 ringgit pay for the lunch or pay for the food, uh, for the education. Not enough, lah, you know. Lah. 60 ringgit for one month. Certain time we go out and eat, now one meal, lah, 60 ringgit gone. 
But these people have to survive for one, one month in our education. The next time we come, I'll show you around some of the work. This boy has been with us for six years. In um, 2016, he is among the very fortunate few who has gone over to States. Six years with us. I'd like to show you a two minutes video uh, what this boy have to say. Can the video guy show? At the age of 10, this boy fled Myanmar, come over, landed in Thailand. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, Teacher Jean. And a very special greeting to the class of Form 2 of the year 2016. How are you all doing today? I hope everybody's doing fantastic. I'm Shamsul. I live in Colorado, United States. As you can see, there's a lot of snow behind me because it's currently snowing so bad, but it's beautiful. I love it. Uh, I was at El Shirai Refugee Learning Center for six years, from 2011 to 2016, from year two to form two. And I said goodbye to Malaysia in 2016. Today I'm in front of you because Teacher Jean has requested me to give you guys some encouragements so that you guys are encouraged to be successful in life and ready for the future. So today my topic of encouragement to you guys is your future depends on what you do today. We all know that we can't change the past, but we can shape our future by learning from the past. People become successful not because they're smart or rich, but because they work hard and are very determined from the beginning to have a successful life. And if you want to to have a successful and a fortunate life, then you have to work hard, work smart, and stay determined and focus on your studies so that, so that you can be successful. And each day that you study with curiosity and determination will write your future as you want it to be. Because of all that El Shaddai has done for me and my siblings by shaping, by building the base of our life so strong that we had a very fresh and successful starting of life here in Denver, Colorado. Despite not having no relatives to help upon arrival, we neither had any tension or any difficulty adjusting to life here. Now, now you must be asking, how? Well, because my siblings and I could speak very good English and we put as much effort as we could to give my family a fresh and successful life here. And now we're living the best life I could ever imagine on earth. Just like how Al Shaddai has done a great favor on my siblings and me by letting us write our future, to face this beautiful yet challenging life here. It is also giving you guys the chance to write your future. So write it as clean as you can and never forget to appreciate their endless effort for your success. So that is all for today. I hope my message is clear to everyone. Good luck with your studies and I hope to see you in the United States. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is a Rohingya boy. Come in illiterate. We give us an opportunity to write on this piece of paper in his life. Now, the question is, how many of them will have a chance to go to rewrite their life? It depends on how, may, how much can we engage with so many of them. We don't, we don't say that we can save everybody. If this small group of people he has a high ambitious. He is, when well, you wanted to do neurosurgeon, because he said a day will come. 
I will not show you the letter is written to me or to us because of certain sensitivity of the word they say. He still remained as a Muslim, but he's actually a good follower of, of Esau. Because we pray a day will come, he will go back to his own community and help his community. I think it will be more effective than we are. But because somebody is willing to journey along with him, one of the very famous refugees that has made it in the world is uh, the former United, uh, this General Secretary of United Nations called Bang Kimbong. How many of you know of this name? Huh? He, was, he used to be a, a refugee from North Korea. He was sharing how his life was changed because our world visions adopted him as a young boy. And we journey along with him. He make it to the world. And as much as a lot of these people, we may not know who they are until maybe 20 to 30 years later. What the church wants every one of us to do, or what God wants every one of the church to do, is actually to, to be faithful in doing the plowing and the planting. Do you remember our Lord Jesus Christ was once also a refugee when he fled and runs over to Egypt to stay for a period of time. He also experienced that. And I believe that a lot of us are no coincidence. When God has pushed these people into our land, He must be a purpose for God wants us to do something in their life. Now, because of time constraint, I'm going to go very fast. Huh? Uh, we have a team, a visitation team that goes to visit the family. These are what we do is go there and, and, and have fellowship with them. Most of the Eastern culture, these are Afghan's community. They are very communal. They will love to have people to come, eat with them, fellowship with them. Then they will sit down, drink tea, and talk story. The Pakistani group, um, the Ahmadis community, the healthcare, we intentionally have our medical service right in the heart of this community. Different, different communities. We run a mobile medical clinic uh, because they need help other than education. Mobile prenatal clinic that we goes into the communities to provide prenatal health check. Because a lot of them will not go for a, uh, uh, to the clinic or hospital until the day of delivery. They can't. Too expensive. So we go to the community when we go there when we sit down with them, when we talk to them, we also tell them about God's story. Oral discipleships. This is how the gathering are like. And times come. We also wanted to go over to Sabah. These are the sea gypsies that we went in to visit them. This is Sandakan's dam site. Many of you have heard about the Filipinos smoking mountain. We have the largest dump site. They also have it in Sabah. Thousands of people are staying in this vicinity with no water, no electricity. Imagine, in this 21st century, huge number. Mobilizing. And you know that when you want to eat an elephant, it's best not to eat alone. Seven million, eh? There's a reason we find that it's important we start to say that we need to mobilize the Malaysian churches 
to come forward to understand from one another what we're doing. Every two years, Al Shaddai's will organize a conference. We do hope that um, your church will send some representative to come uh, because we will not only talk about what we're doing, you can at least understand what people in Sabah are doing, what people in Johor are doing, what people in the central zone are doing. We should learn from one another so we not go and repeat the same mistake again and again. The worst thing in the church is that we always do the same thing and, and hope for a different result. We can't. Yeah. In this new change of train, you need a different method to engage with the gospel. The gospel will not change. The method can change. With the purpose of to aspire, to assist, to assemble, to assimilate, to advocate. A single church can't do alone. But as a body of Christ, if we come together, I think we can make an impact with these people that God has placed in our land. I'd be more than happy to walk with Trinity if you give us an opportunity to set up some kind of a network over here. Don't do alone. Let's partner. That's why in, the, in this talk, we will talk about partnership and collaboration. Don't do alone. Let's work together as a team, as a body of Christ. Now, because of time constraint, I pass time back to the chairman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew, for your sharing. It reminded me of my own experience until recently that I was working among the Rohingya refugees and children of refugees in the LifeBridge Learning Centres and, and the, the stories have a lot of parallels. Before we close in our um, hymn of dedication, which is three, uh, 572, Pass It On, just like to read the first verse. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. I think Andrew has lit a fire under our seat. And sometimes, even when something is burning, we simply refuse to leave the comforts of our seats, our homes. World Vision President, I can't remember the present one or the previous one, 